everyone, this is Judith Way, nurse practitioner and host of the fourth trimester NP show. Today we'll take take a look at postpartum psychosis. Uh, this episode is being recorded on February 24th, 2023. And in the last six months, 10 children in the United States have lost their lives at the hands of a mother who was in the postpartum period. These cases vary in terms of patient demographics or characteristics but the results were the same. Thankfully, postpartum psychosis is quite rare. Uh, however, the stakes are so high that I really wanted to highlight this particular mood disorder. First, I'd like to sort of say the names of the kids who've been impacted uh, by mothers who possibly had this condition. Uh, I'll even include the names of the kids from the Yates case, just because um, you know it's one of the first cases that we learn about, and it's one of those cases that will be in medical literature forever. Cora, Dawson, Taylor, Kaylin, Zachary, Oliver, Liliana. Now, before we dive into postpartum psychosis, um, I wanted to just review some terms to make sure that we understand before we go forward. So the word postpartum uh, is a time period. It, it's, meant to it's meant to mean um, the time after you've delivered. So a time after pregnancy is finished and you've delivered the baby. And it's a time when the body returns to a pre-pregnant state. Now, if you look at the scientific literature, this time period varies. Could be six weeks, could be eight weeks, it could be 12 weeks, but we acknowledge it can take approximately one year to return to baseline status. Now, what is psychosis? Psychosis is a state where there's a loss in reality. A person's thoughts and perceptions become disturbed. They may have an, over, an overly intense sense of new ideas, they may have strange feelings, or they may have no feelings whatsoever. They tend to be unable to take care of themselves, um, definitely unable to take care of others. There's a change in speech and their ability to communicate. Persons with psychosis can sometimes hear voices that are not there. They can see things that are not there. They can feel things that are not there. One classic one is, you know, skin crawling. They feel like something's crawling all over their skin. Uh, and they may smell something that no one else can smell. Now, what do we know about postpartum psychosis? Extremely rare. Um, occurs in one to two women for every thousand births. Um, so if you think about that another way, less than 1% of all women who deliver are going to experience postpartum psychosis. It's often sudden and it happens classically within three weeks of delivery. Note that psychosis or a psychotic episode can occur during pregnancy. Like that's that's not that's under highlighted, but definitely this this type of phenomena can occur during pregnancy. Now this is where we get this is what we hear about most in the media. Uh, there's a five percent chance of suicide. There's a four percent chance that a baby may be killed uh, with someone who has this diagnosis. There's also a risk to other children within the household, as we've seen um, in the cases that are, are most presented in the news. Now, what are the symptoms of psychosis? Um, what can a family member look for? Because most times, patients who have uh, postpartum psychosis are not self-aware that what they're experiencing um, needs, needs correction. 
So what you'd be looking for is a difficulty, a change in, in cognition. So um, there's a difference in, in ability to read, following instructions, and you know, an increase in difficulty in concentrating. They may become increasingly suspicious or paranoid. They may, may become more focused on death. They try to self-isolate, so they try to, you know, not be around family and friends. They may develop a delusional de belief. So this is a delusion is a belief that um, is a false belief. It's contra contraindicated by reality. One that I, I remember well was a patient who believed that she was being followed by the, the FBI. So she was being surveilled and there was no, you know, evidence or reason for that. Uh, patients sometimes can hallucinate, so that's reacting to a stimulate a stimulant that's not there. For instance, seeing feeling like you're surrounding by surrounded by pink bunnies and no one else is seeing the bunnies, um, or hearing someone else's voice, hearing a, a man's voice in your head that's telling you how to act. You may see that uh, the patient becomes increasingly restless or agitated. Uh, the flip side of that is that, you know, they become almost catatonic, so they're unable to move or speak or communicate. Some patients have manic episodes before they experience psychosis. Now, what is mania? Mania can be described as excessive enthusiasm, um, desire or interest. You may see that the patient has, has all of a sudden all this energy and they have all of this energy and they don't need sleep. You know, they feel a need to clean the house. Um, they don't, they're cleaning the garage at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, they may have racing thoughts. They may become increasingly irritable. Um, and then they may have rapid speech. Now, some of these symptoms may coexist with anxiety or depression. Now, what are the risk factors for postpartum psychosis? A family history, a family history or a personal history of psychosis bipolar disorder or schizophrenia now even though we know the risk factors for postpartum psychosis it's extremely important to remember that 50 percent 50 okay so 50 percent of women who develop postpartum psychosis do not have a history of a, psych a, a psychiatric diagnosis so this comes as a, almost like a complete surprise now why does postpartum uh, psychosis occur some of the thoughts, um, some of the theories, you know, there's a, a sudden change in estrogen in the postpartum period. There's this rapid decrease in estrogen levels. Another is sleep deprivation. It's probably for a lot of women, uh, especially after they, their first delivery, it's the first time they, they encounter this level of sleep deprivation. Um, they found a link with women who have postpartum psychosis with severe childhood maltreatment. So any kind of early childhood stress that was extreme. Um, interestingly, if you, had, if you had a stressful event during pregnancy, this did not correlate with a diagnosis of postpartum depression. It really had to be some kind of severe uh, maltreatment in early childhood. They think it could be related to possibly low folate, folate levels um, because there's an increased need during pregnancy. And they found uh, in other in other pieces of scientific literature, that low folate levels are associated with other psychiatric disorders. Now, treatment. Treatment involves really letting your medical team know um, treating any of these symptoms as a form of medical emergency 
the reason why it's a medical emergency is because of the risk of self-harm. Um, so you're thinking about suicide, the risk to the baby, and the risk to the other children who may be in the household. So the patient definitely needs to go to the emergency room. What, what happens when the patient goes in? You have a healthcare provider who then makes a diagnosis. Uh, there's inpatient treatment, and that may include medications, and specifically antipsychotics, anti-anxiety medications. Um, it would include therapy for a more holistic approach. And for patients who um, are not easily treated, it may include electroconvulsive therapy or ECT. Now, after that, after all those things have been done and the patient is stable, Upon discharge, the patient really needs to have frequent outpatient follow-up, and there also needs to be some kind of home support that's coordinated so that sleep um, could be protected, especially for these patients. Now, the recovery can be complex. Um, a lot of patients feel like there's a sense of loss or powerlessness. There's a desire that the diagnosis is normalized and that, that um, people around them would see that it's not something that they control. There's a desire for empathy from healthcare providers. Now, partners who have been surveyed, you know, they, they feel like they're completely powerless in the situation. They have conflicting emotions, um, depending, on what depending on what transpired within the household. Um, they feel like they're juggling several roles because they childcare, the ch care of the infant and other childcare may fall squarely on their shoulders. They feel unheard because no one tends to check in to see how they're doing, um, and they feel isolated. So as we said previously, outpatient care really needs to be intensive. There needs to be frequent follow-up with the OBGYN, the primary care provider, and psychiatry. Now, if you, if you think about um, patients who may not have a lot of resources, they may not have a lot of family support, you definitely would you definitely need to involve social work um, to help them access other things within the, the area within the community now i hope that you found that this was helpful this was really a cliff notes version of postpartum psychosis um, I'm, I'm going to include all of my sources in the show notes i will leave some links for resources for mothers who've had a history of postpartum psychosis um, i hope that this podcast will increase empathy in some way an understanding of the condition, especially when you hear the cases in the news, um, it's it's important to think about what what were the factors that led up to this moment. And looking forward, um, in terms of future episodes, we will look at preconception health. So we'll go from the very beginning and sort of go forward. I just really wanted to highlight postpartum psychosis because I think um, it's interesting, it's complex, and the results can can be so. Um, the impact to the family can be so profound. <laughs>